Skies Farm Studios. I'm your host, Aaron Fennell. This is podcast number one, getting going with the very first one here. And my very first guest is Casey Seymour, host of Moving Iron Podcast and also the father, the godfather of this little project, if you will, that brought all my uh, useless knowledge to life. Welcome, Casey. Thanks for having me on, Aaron. I appreciate it. You bet, dude. Thanks for setting this whole thing up and we will just see if the world enjoys their old diesel tractors. <laughs> I, I have a hunch that you're going to you're going to do just fine, so I don't have too much of a concern there. So, as you know, and listeners that have followed on Twitter know that this podcast is dedicated to basically 1965 to 1995 agricultural equipment, tractors, combines, planters. Uh, short line implements, and we also touch on semis from that era, pickups from that era. Heck, we've even, on Twitter there, we've even talked about TV shows and sports teams and a little bit of everything, but the focus is <coughs> is mostly farm equipment from that era, and that's kind of, that's near and dear to my heart, and that's what we're going after. So, Casey here. Born and raised in South Central Kansas and was not a farm kid, but he grew up, you know, he's big on hunting and fishing and as I recall, a Chevy pickup back then, correct? Yeah. yeah. 81, 82? 81, short bed, two-wheel drive. Right on. 350? She could jump. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's a classic rig, you know what? It was a fun truck. It was a... uh, it was the best thing for a kid like me to have growing up. I uh, I replaced uh, an engine or two, a number of transmissions, probably five or six. Did it have the overdrive in it? Mm, the first one did, but I made sure the second one did. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I replaced everything on that truck from front to back except for the rear end. And then when I quit driving it, my brother got it, and he continued on the shade tree mechanic shop the the non-for-profit shade tree mechanic <laughs> shop that we had going on there and i think he finally smoked the rear end so i think he uh he put her to rest one night or one morning it was foggy and he i'm air quotes here missed the turn <laughs> right <laughs> coming home from somewhere so it uh it went to lay to rest there and i don't know when that been 
98, 90, 2000, 99, 2000, something like that. And, uh, but yeah, no, that truck was awesome. <laughs> So when I first had it, I had a 305, and it was about half wore out. <laughs> Which they were new. <laughs> That's true. That's very true. And we had a, we got it we got it lined up. My dad helped me. We got it all put back together and put a 350 in there out of a out of the salvage yard we found, and you know got it all stripped the engine back down, put new rings and pistons and bearings and all the gaskets and everything, filled her back up with, with fluid put it back in, start it up, and they can instantly smoke the tires. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> so that, 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 made a, that made a big, a big, uh, big change in how, how not only I, I sounded, but how I drove. So Absolutely. There, so there was a, uh, and when we had it before, we had uh, short exhausts on there with the uh, Roadrunner Cherry Bomb. Right. Uh, what was it called? Thruster? Thrush. Uh, yeah, thrush. Thrush glass packs. That's it. That's it. And, uh, they were short, but I thought, you know, who needs back pressure? Right? <laughs> so just run the straight pipe all the way to the back, and, oh, yeah. and everybody knows when you're coming. So I used to have the truck now that I'm completely annoyed by. So, right. So exactly. It's, it's, I'm that old man now that that looks at that and I'm like, what are you doing? It's unfortunate that that I wasn't best friends with that Casey. <laughs> <laughs> now let me ask you this: Why did you have two wheel drive? Because you're in southern Kansas, and back then a lot of things were two wheel. Well, I think a lot of it had to do, more than anything, it really had to do with the fact that if I had a four-wheel drive, see, I could only tear it up on places that I could easily get pulled out of, right? Right. If I had four-wheel drive, I would have 1,000% been, you know, as long as I don't get the uh, air cleaner wet, I'm good to go. <laughs> you know what I mean? That would be my mentality. And uh, my dad knew that. So right. he goes, this will be a good truck for you, for you to mess around on, you know? Uh, now, what's funny about that, my my first pickup was a 67 GMC okay. that had a big 305 V6 in it. All right. Like a green truck yep. engine. Four-speed is an old forestry service truck. Yep. No power steering. Mm-hmm. Bad deal. Ended up rolling it after football practice one night. And uh, went without for a couple months. And then got an 82 Chevy, two-wheel drive, mm-hmm. long box, long box okay. 6.2 diesel. Okay, there you go. So I could get 28 miles to the gallon and get 0 to 60 in about a half hour. Yeah. And the reason must have been a good one because I was taking more like two and a half weeks. But <laughs> <laughs> The whole key, and I had the overdrive too, mm-hmm. you know, which is... The, well, both of mine. I also had a second transmission. The whole key to that pickup was to not use overdrive. Right. Because it had like 308 gears in it. Uh-huh. So you were only running like 2200 RPM at 65 mile an hour in drive. Right. You know? Right. And you could actually accomplish something. I, for years, just shifted through the gears. Mm-hmm. You know? Take off in second, wrap it up, drive, wrap it up, overdrive. Yeah. It was a little actually a little bit of a vehicle yeah. and that's why I asked the two wheel drive question because that's exactly why that was two wheel drive because Dave says I had and I, before that I had a buddy good friends of mine two years older and one year older that always had four wheel drives yeah. and there was not a dirt road safe in the southern half of their county because we would get a quarter inch of rain and them guys are gone yeah. mudding yeah. mudding all the time 
And one of those roads happened to be Road Dave drives every day. <laughs> so when it was my deal, yeah. I got the two-wheel drive. And I, I tried my damnedest to keep up with them. And mm-hmm. I'd put mud tires on the back and do all kinds of dumb shit. But mine was the, uh, we'd go bogging around in their pickups. And then if we went to Hastings or Fairbury or something, you know, on a Walmart run, hey, Fennel, let's take your pickup. Right. Like, all right, chip in for gas. I need fifty cents. Yep. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I didn't. Even, it, it didn't even go as far as the full drive thing. It didn't even go to posi track. Like we, it was. Oh yeah. I just straight up two one, drive, one wheel, one. Yeah, yeah. it was. On purpose. I mean, <laughs> I, trust me. If I had, if I, if I had the posi track, I'd have been the guy with. The street tires on the front, these regular highway track tires, and like super swampers in the oh, back. Yeah. You know what I mean? I would have yep. been paddle tire kid, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, my dad was a little smarter than what he let on. And one thing, my my uncle was always into four wheel drive pickups and, you know, wheels and tires and all that. And always got four wheeler magazine. And I remember seeing an article in there, they just for some down in the hall or somewhere. Uh-huh. These guys were taking Camaros and Mustangs and putting mudders on the back and seeing how far they could get. Yeah. And the title to that article was something about oh speed speed will speed will compensate for two wheel drive. Right. So naturally, I read that when I was seven eight years old. Right. And it stuck in my head. So I have this two wheel drive pick, and I think, well, if I hit that fifty, mm-hmm. I can get through it. Yeah, I had that mentality too. There was always a, an old country road that we used to go down, and it was an old railroad bed that went along the lake. But it was, you know, railroad beds that went forever. And there was a, one spot in there where there was a dip, natural dip in it, you know. And I bet when it was full of water, it was probably a foot, foot and a half deep. Right. You know what I mean, and so whenever it rained a bunch, first place we'd go, right? Or I would go, and my friends had to come with me try to grab them. <laughs> But it, the thing about that deal was it wasn't just like a little puddle, you know what I mean? It was, I bet it was 150 feet long, you know what I mean? So I'd be I'd be screaming down the road, and, and uh, I'd see it coming, and I would just not even let off the gas and get the old water oh, and yeah. back over top of you. And, but the thing about it was I had a 50-50 chance that either it was gonna, I was going to do one or two things. I was going to make it all the way through, get stuck in the middle of it because the water got inside right. and like got, got the whole oh, yeah. everything jacked up sugar caps all wet you know one time I had a cracked sugar cap and that's how I found out about it because it got stuck out there in the water <laughs> <laughs> so I had you know it wasn't running right very good anyway I should have done something anyhow but I was like I oh, will be fine and then I got out there and the water got inside the sugar and you know you know, you know what fixes that diesel. a diesel Oh yeah, you don't have a distributor. You keep it out of the intake. Yeah, you can just keep going. Well, I would always when I do that, I always take a can of WD forty with me. So when it did happen, <laughs> I'd pop the, the cap off, spray it down with WD forty, get the dispersion out, let it set for a minute, always fire right back up. Oh man, <laughs> yeah. So it was that was uh that truck was a lot of fond memories of that pickup. Oh yeah, and now you drive the other junk, and here we are. Well. I kind of lost. I had to quit driving the, the Chevy truck because they glued the door. Oh shit! None of those blue doors have ever fallen off. I'm just ever. saying, man. This ever. Is, it's the principle of the matter. Not one door has ever fallen off. You got Elmer's glue holding on the door. It's not Elmer's glue. It's the same difference. It's flex seal. 
Send it. That's where Flex Steel came from. <laughs> 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 he started rolling them on and shit. He went, what are we going to do with all this? <laughs> we'll sell it to this handsome gentleman over here who gets really hyper about it and who can sell it on TV. He'll cut the floor out of the boat and yeah. then put a screen door in there. Or, uh, yeah, the screen. And then they did they did the whole Flex tape mm-hmm. on that one. That's right, yeah. Now, you did a little bit of agricultural labor. A little bit. Back in the day. A little bit. And we had a episode a while back on Moving Iron uh-huh. talking about, we were talking about the hay market and different hay equipment and all this, and Casey says something about a hay monster, which, not being a farm kid, I swear to God, was some made-up name that for some, and any for some piece of equipment. He goes on to describe it, and I'm like, okay, what I know about Kansas, there's a lot of manufacturing in Kansas, a lot of it. Like, every little town has a blacksmith shop that professionally makes something. And horseshoes. And and horseshoes. But as he's describing it, I'm like, there's no way that's a production piece piece of equipment. That's got to be, that sounds like somebody took an old Chevy truck an old grain truck and did all this to it. So he's going on to describe it. I whip out my phone, start Googling stuff, and it's real. I found it. So that that will forever live in my memory that you knew something about a piece of farm equipment that I did. The story gets even better as I'm sitting at home watching RFD that I DVR all the time. Machinery Peace show was on because that's how... <coughs> country I am. <laughs> the DVR is full of RFD. Um, watching Machinery Pete show, and as he, you know, go and come back for a commercial break, they got their auction stuff on there, and I see something out of the corner of my eye, because I was probably on Twitter, or, or uh, Facebook, or Tractor House, or whatever, on my phone. I thought, what was that? So I back up the DVR, and he's got an auction result for a Dewey's. How do you say it down there? Dewey's or Dewey's? Dewey's. Okay, because in southern Nebraska, it's Dewey's. Yeah. But out here, it's Dewey's. That makes sense. I mean, if that's kind of, I think that's what they're shooting for when they make things, they're going to do it easy, the Dewey's. I guess that could be the slogan, though. Do it easy with the Dewey's. There you go. Maybe that was their angle. There you go. So anyway, he's got an auction result of a, of a Dewey's, is a company that made it, yep. Hay Monster, yep. in the flesh, it was, right there. It was awesome. I didn't know. So I had to hurry up and take a picture, and I sent it to Casey, mm-hmm. and then I sent it to Machine Repeat, we talk once in a while, and I said, I cannot believe this. You have this auction result on here. He got such a kick out of that. And he, he said he remembers... You stumping me on it. That's not why it was on there, of course, because that's a once in a lifetime deal. But tell me about tell me about that thing again. Well, for seven thousand bucks, think of what it brought. Yeah. Right? I, I don't know that. I, I, I wasn't guessing that that had to be pretty close to what something like that would have sold for. I mean, uh, you probably fifteen grand, eighteen grand when it was brand new. Boy, I don't. You think it'd be that high? Because it was like nineteen. It had been made in the seventies, seventy eighties, probably yeah. something like that. So they got they got their money out of it. Um, no, I mean, I, like I said, I, I was, uh, I grew up in, in the, in, in town. I always lived in a small town. Um, I, I didn't have, I mean, I had buddies and stuff that were, that were farm kids that, 
couldn't couldn't come out and play because they had to go feed cows or whatever right. they were doing, you know. Um, there's harvest going on, so I can't come into town or whatever, you know. So, um, so yeah, I, I had buddies that were like that. I, I mean, I never really took, you know, any real desire to go out on the farm and help these guys out. Um, mainly because I, I just didn't know what I was going to get myself into. Right. But I knew if I stayed in town, I had a better chance of getting grounded. So I decided to stay in town. <laughs> so, so for the most part, um, when I turned 15, I think, yeah, 15, yeah, it's 15. So I was, I was saving money for my first car. And I knew I was moving to a different town, and I knew that you could go haul hay because the guys back back in town would always haul hay. But I always had a job that paid more than hauling hay. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And... I could make more money and work less hours. So I thought, hey, I'm not a smart guy, right? <laughs> but this seems like a winner. So move to this new town, don't know anybody yet. I don't want to go work at Walmart or whatever, you know. So I'm going to go and, uh, you know, I found an ad in the shopper's guide. So I'm looking for someone to haul hay. I was like, great, I'll go haul hay. And which me and you argue about this all the time and the first thing in my dad's mouth was like oh that'd be great for football dude. you know yeah, it's great for football I'm like <sighs> then I'm like oh that makes sense you know in today's world you and I have philosophical disagreement about the hay hauling and, and getting ready for football yeah does it help you get ready for yes does it make you strong absolutely it's, your, it's everything it, from your eyeballs to your toenails. That's right. So that's why the New England Patriots have switched to their offseason to just straight up hauling hay. Well, so is Alabama. Yeah, so that's all they're doing now. They're just hauling hay. They've done away with weight rooms, little ways, hauling yeah. hay. Um, but anyway, I show up to this guy's place, and he's a he's a high school kid, has his own hay thing going, and it's me and, a, and another guy. Remind me a lot of Joe Dirt, I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> and, Deer tag, it's French. <laughs> he... He was like Joe Dirt without the full length mullet. It was more, uh, I would even go skull it to some extent. So I was close. just like just top of collar, maybe. Just, well, that, but he also shaved the sides. Ooh. That kind of had like kind of like a Brian Bosworth thing going. Ooh, nice. But but longer in the back. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay, you see where I'm going. And no lightning bolts. No lightning bolts. It was straight up. Look, I got like he like he grabbed two pair of, <laughs> of razor, you know, clippers and zipped them down. At the same time, that's that's Keeps what it looks like. Them wings under your hands, exactly. See? Yeah. It's, so me and this kid and this other guy getting this hay monster. Never hauled hay before in my life. Had zero idea what I was getting myself into, and I had a pair of leather gloves and some hay hooks. And I went out and did it, and I I did it for a summer, and the majority of that summer was on the hay monster, and the majority of the summer I spent in the hayloft, not down on the monster like gently dropping the hay bales onto the conveyor that ran them up I had to go drag them to the other end um, so it was a uh, kind of know any different so I thought it was a pretty regular thing right so that guy ran out of, had a couple jobs that fell through didn't and so basically my summer was from you know school got out and whatever it was into May and I, I worked for him through about to about 4th of July and then I he kind of didn't need me anymore so I went and worked for another guy he had the uh, that's when I experienced the the pop up loader like oh yeah on the side of the trailer yep. you know what I'm talking about and the little pop up deal and then that was when I got to where I was like I don't need the pop up thing I can just throw it up 
two or three high and then have someone up there and grab it. So I would just walk along, toss them up. So that was my that was my summer of hay, uh, of, of working on the hay thing. But but back to the monster, it was it was a very unique machine because you had this, a snout on the front of it and you would drive around. The guy was driving and basically he was driving down the row that was left by the baler. Right. Thing sitting there. So, but every once in a while. He'd get going and wanted to get cocked in there sideways, and it would just, <laughs> you know, it'd blow up. So you had to stop, get off, you know, and right. dig it all out, you know, and then and then push it off the side and and then do that. And it would be, uh, but from a from a, a hauling small square bells until the accumulator came around, that had to have been the easiest way to haul hay from a from a production oh, standpoint. I've never. Never knew it existed, so obviously I've never been around one. Yeah. And it blows my mind. My uncle had, and of course, that's another thing. Guys our size, you show up at a hay hauling job, yeah. and you can see the farmer just go, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The yeah. guy shows up like, we're going to haul some damn hay. Yeah. And I hauled a lot of hay, a lot of hay through the years, and it was always... You know, a hay rack or God knows what kind of flatbed trailer, and you got a guy on up there and two on the ground and somebody driving and and uh, you're just throwing them. Yeah. And it was always the coolest thing to see how high you could get that bale yep. without any assistance. Yep. And I got to the point, you know, I was getting leaner and meaner and stronger, and I could chuck that sandwich way up there. Yep. But I had an uncle. And he only put up, it wasn't a pit, it was probably like a 10 acre patch of alfalfa. And me and a buddy went and hauled hay for him. And we were going to put it in the back of this truck. And I'm like, well, that kind of sucks. You can't throw it up the side. Everything's got to be in the back. And my buddy always did the stacking. I was the thrower. And we pull in the field and he hooked onto that new ideas who made. Most of those pop-up pop up yeah. deals. Yeah. He hooks onto that, and I'm like, what is that? He's like, it's a bail loader. And I was like, all right. So he takes off, and it starts turning, and whoo, here comes the bales. I'm like, yeah. that's badass. Yeah. We can do this for hours. Yeah. yeah you can, you All we got to do is grab it and sack it. Well, we used so to, I can only imagine the hay monster is even better. So well, the, the farmer I worked for is the second part of the summer. Yeah. So we had he had an he had an old John Deere tractor and I can't remember what it is off the top of my head, but it might have been like a like an old forty twenty or something Probably. like that, you know. And if I'm, I'm pretty sure, no, it was not. Yeah, it didn't have cabs, so it might have been like a yeah, probably forty twenty. Probably most likely forty twenty, thirty ten, thirty something, twenty, something like that. And but he would always take that. And go off to the next pasture, and he'd start bailing with it, you know. And he'd leave us, and he had an, an old, like a 1975 or 76 Chevy Dually pickup with Ooh. a with a four speed transmission Sweet. and like 458 rear end. So right. you could just like you could put it in the first gear, and you could get out. Right. And that's what we do. And, it, but it, and obviously, it had a it wasn't like all tore to hell because we could, it would track yep. pretty straight. And so he'd line it up on the bales, and we just get on the back of the trailer. Super safe. You know I mean? <laughs> oh, yeah. Super safe. Now, Absolutely. What could possibly go wrong? This, this was out of track before there was out of track, right? Yep. So we were, we'd go along the thing, and it would 
get it lined up just right and kind of start drifting off the one way or the other and we jump off real fast go get it lined back up and then we go but there'd be me and another kid that did that all summer and that, that's what we did yeah just just watch the truck and we had to pay attention where we were at though because they'd be popping up and we'd look back up and go oh, shit <laughs> <laughs> we're at the end of the field we'd bail off and go oh, turn yeah. around you know and come back but that was uh, that was there the hay monster thing what was cool about it was the snout would re- extend out I think probably 15 feet I would be my guess because you had it on the ground it was one thing then another level came out so you could get it to the loft and so you unloaded with it too? Yeah. I didn't know that part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you you had a you had a conveyor belt right. that ran the chain with some hooks in it, ran from the snout, there's one there and then another gear set up and ran it all the way to the back, the whole length of the thing. So when you had it set up, you would just drop you'd take them down, you used to drop it down onto the the conveyor and it would just take them and load them and then when you're up in the, the snoot, it would, or up in the, the loft it would just start kicking them out and they were just oh, shit. guys down there there were three, always three guys two or three guys down there and there's always one less guy up in the loft than there was down the, right. you know what I'm saying so you were like having to hump it because yeah. people and you're in the barn and it's hot and they're outside yeah. not even sweating right and they're just and all they're doing is just basically dropping it down and right. down the slide and then we're you know hooking them and then running to the other end stacking them up and making we get down there and be this giant hold on a second give us a minute and then, you know, <laughs> We have to clear it out, you know, and then go back in and get it set back up. But that was, I mean, it was, it was awesome. And then, you know, the, the best part of it was the ride down out of the snout, or down the, out of the chute on the snout, and going from 138 degrees in the loft to like 95 degrees outside. Oh, it freezes up. You have a new jacket. It's kind of chilly out here. So, I mean, yeah, that was, that was, that was my summer hauling hay. That was, uh, that was the the extent of that, and then I got into town again. You now living in town, um, I started looking around for a job the next summer, and that's when I that's when I found the Oshady Creek Marina, and it was there you go. It was again twice as much money for half the hours. <laughs> amazing how, how swimming pool water feels oh yeah when you when you sweated not only through your shirt but your shoes and your belt and your belt yeah my, my belt I'd wake up in the morning and I was afraid to bend it because I'm pretty sure it was going to break you know what I mean and I, I'm, a, I'm a bit of a sweater you know what I mean oh yeah you know I, I sweat getting out of bed and I ate an apple and I, I had a nice nice little V yeah. of sweat coming out yeah so it didn't really take a whole lot for that to happen so um 
Yeah, sometimes I was... I don't know why I even wore my shirt, to be honest with you, other than it was a barrier between the hay and, and my skin. I think that was about the only real reason that I did And that depends on what you're hauling. Because at the end of the day, though, I'll be honest with you, I learned the trick that you leave your shirt untucked. Because after the first day that I did that, oh. it was like, I was like, why, why am I so goddamn screwed? <laughs> so I was like, why does it And I lifted my shirt up, and it was like, it looked like the scarecrow. Yeah, oh, there. man. Yeah. So, yeah, that was uh, a lot of crash courses there for for old case when they But, you know, we, some of us, sometimes you wear a shirt, sometimes you don't, know, holiday, you know. And even if you are wearing a shirt, there's a 90% chance it's one of your football team, basketball team shirts. That's a cutoff. Yeah, yeah, you cut the And it's up. cut all the hell yeah. away down to your belt anyway. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a homemade tank top. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a, it's like an upper body loincloth, if you will. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I used it to have just some of those. Has, has one inch of connector on the bottom. Yeah, and you're like, <laughs> yeah, I had the same thing. And you wonder why you looking back on that. I'm like, why not even have a shirt on? Yeah, because it wasn't. You see, you get a bell up, it's like twisted to one side or whatever, you right. know. So yeah, it's kind of dumb. You get your nipples all scratched up. Yeah, that wasn't fun <laughs> at all. Oh man. Well, you know what else? I was sitting here thinking the other day. We've known each other almost ten years. Pretty close, yeah. Pretty close. Yeah. And I have, since early on, always given you shit that you are a math teacher and a John Deere hat. Yeah. And I've done my best over those, what, nine years? Yeah. Yeah. Nine years to try to get you a little bit of iron love going. Right. And it always cracks me up when once in a while I'll be like, hey, did you see this? (laughs) (laughs) So I know it's rubbing off on you. Not a little bit. I mean, uh, I am. I'm. I could probably draw a line in the sand of of when my true tractor knowledge kind of really would kick in, and that would be, you know, I started working this business two thousand and six. Yeah, two thousand. Uh, yeah, yeah, right before my oldest boy was born. So yeah, in two thousand six, I started I started doing this, and um, you know, I started working for a for a cat challenger dealer a million years ago and that was my my kind of introduction to the the whole tractor world that was a, you know a 1987 challenger ch 65a before you know it was before they were called it was a before it was an a right <laughs> and uh i love to have been in that that marketing meeting when they decided to do that I'm going to come up with a CH-65, I, I guess, B? I mean, <laughs> do we have to put out a, a pip on this so we can get the A's put on the, the, the first generation's one? <laughs> oh, so that was my, that was kind of where I cut my teeth in, in learning this business. And <clears throat> I'll never forget it as long as I've, as long as I live. I've, the first tractor I sold was a Case 1486, Case H-1486. I'm sorry. Well, that was that was what I did, and I you, felt, need, you need to call that guy and apologize. <laughs> he, he actually came to us, found it on the internet. So, but and you need to fix what you just said. What's that? Case never made a fourteen. I said Case IH. I came back. That's in, not that's not it. It's not a Case IH either. What is it? International Harvester. All right, sorry, International Harvester. God bless. Case knew better than that. You knew what I meant. <laughs> so anyway. 
I took, and it was it was kind of a it was an omen from God, I guess is the best way to put it, because tractor that old still had the owner's manual behind the seat. Ooh, right on. Still the original owner's manual. Probably never opened. I, I, yeah, <laughs> probably not. I was probably the first one to open it up, but I took it open. I looked through it, and I and I made you know I was like, oh, okay, well here's how you operate the three point. Here's how you engage the PTO. You know, here's the vanity mirror. You know. And so, <laughs> That was, that was, that was my first, like, the first tractor I drove was the first tractor I pulled, and, um. That was the first tractor you drove, a 1486. Yep, that's it. My God, and you could shift it. Yeah. And you could get in the backwards door and over the levers that are in your way, and. Yep. That's impressive. Yep, and I could, because I read the owner's manual. Yeah. And I taught myself how to do it. This is back before YouTube, you know. (laughs) So I couldn't watch YouTube video. <laughs> so, I mean. 1486. I never knew that in all these years. Yep. I never knew that. That was it. That explains a lot about you. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so, I mean, my uh, my introduction to this business was one of uh, sheer rain accident. Like, there's no reason I should be in this business. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Me either. <clears throat> no, like, you should not be in this business at all. <laughs> So it is. It's a. It's. I've had a. I've had a pretty. Uh, pretty sharp learning curve over the, over the nine or ten years that I've been. Well, yes. If you do the math, I've been doing this for, what, fourteen years, ten, twelve, six. Twelve. Yeah, twelve years. Almost thirteen. Almost thirteen years. Yeah. So, I. Uh, I just had to. And I really didn't have like, you know, I didn't have a bunch of guys that I worked with that were. Die hard. On that, there they weren't. There wasn't like. No, I'm sure. You know, not I mean? like red or green or yeah. orange. It was a, it was a, it was a different group. There were a few guys there that were that were pretty hardcore ad guys, um, but they weren't necessarily guys that I wanted to associate with because I just didn't, we didn't right. click. Right. You know what I mean? So it was a, it was a tough thing to learn. I had to learn a lot of my own, and um, I had to. To figure a lot of stuff out, and I, I remember when I started working, when I went through the whole interview process, and because I went in to make a sales call, and that's how I got the job interview in the first place. Right. And I got a job interview because of the stuff I was, I was trying to sell them, there, and they said, "Hey, we got this gig. You want to do it?" And I was like, "I don't know anything about it. I know the combine wheels are in the front. The big wheels are in the front. That's what I know about a combine." And so it was. It was one of those things where I just, I, I told the guy when they hired me that I probably shouldn't, you shouldn't hire me because I don't know anything about this. <laughs> just letting you know. So I guess the point what I'm saying here is a lot of folks I'm sure are listening to this podcast that, that work in dealerships or work in other agribusiness jobs and those kind of things. And um, I've had a fair level of success in, in what I'm doing. So don't, don't be afraid to, to take your chances on the city boy to, come in and, and learn the ag business because believe me if I can do it anybody can do it and you know keep that when you're, when you're out looking for people to hire just what weigh all the weigh everything against what you got and and um, you know with the the farm economy ever shrinking and, and more and more people getting out of ag um, not generationally not coming back to the farm and, and moving to town and doing different jobs that are off that are completely non-ag related um there's, there's a lot of kids out there that I talk to at college fairs, college job fairs and stuff that don't have 
any knowledge of farm equipment or farming for that matter. And when you start talking to them about how would you like to use your business major to, to do all the different things inside the dealership or you're an accountant, right? Okay, well, let's talk about the different things you can see here, not only on the farm or on the, in the dealership, but in the farm. So there's, that's probably the one thing I've taken away from this. I, I don't, when I, when I start hearing, oh, they've got to have this or they've got to have that, I, 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 I totally disagree with that. Right. So it's a, uh, it was it was a long road, and there was a mini night where I'm like, "What are you doing, dude?" <laughs> so much other things you could be doing right now. But I'm glad I stuck with it, and I'm, I'm glad I'm where I'm at, and I'm glad I'm work for the company that I work for, and and all the people that I've met along the way. And I, I, I it's a it's a great journey for me, and I learn something new every day. And because um, I don't, <clears throat> God knows I don't know everything. And you know, having guys like like Aaron as a resource. Remember, we used to work in the dungeon. Oh, yeah. And we're going to have Planter Thursday. Every Thursday we're going to talk about you going to teach me something about an old plant or something. Right. Remember that? And oh, yeah. and we, we do that kind of stuff. So, I mean, those are the kind of things that, that I will always like, really cherish when I look back on my career of all the stuff that, that I've learned that by no means should I ever have even been anywhere near this. Right. You know, so it's a, it's a good run, and I'm, I'm glad I'm where I'm at. I would agree. Well, so... Do you ever sell a Challenger combine? Oh, yeah. Who makes that? Uh, that would be an Agco combine. No, who makes the combine? Which is, which is made that. which is made by, uh, it's under the Massey Ferguson umbrella. There you go. It's a Massey Ferguson combine. <laughs> and who do they buy it from? Uh, if you're paying attention, this was brought up on the Throwback Iron podcast Twitter page this weekend. Okay. I must have missed that. Who makes it? Who makes the combine? Who who started the Massey Rotor? Oh, White. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. boy. Good job. Yeah. Yeah. The White. Right. The old White combine. They used to call the guys in the shop used to call them pterodactyls. Why? Because they always had their side <laughs> <shows up. laughs> Oh goodness. <laughs> and when I first started working there, the guys were like, "I gotta work on a pterodactyl again." What is that? And they're like. I'm like thinking, because I'm a dumbass, right? I'm thinking like, there's really a farm piece of equipment called a pterodactyl. <laughs> this is a, this is awesome. It's just got better. Cases are good Just got farm better. Farm pterodactyl. <laughs> Bring up a picture of a pterodactyl with a pitchfork. Yeah. <laughs> yep. But yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so that was that was kind of cool. I mean, there was a lot of a lot of stuff there that was about the Challenger line that I had to figure out, you know, because it wasn't the most, um, especially on the combine side. The biggest issue was it was always, you're always buttoning up against the same comp, the same thing with Massey. Right. I mean, um, not so much leaner, you know, because they had the transverse rotor still, and that was different than, than what you had in those other two platforms. But um, when you were going against a Massey, for the most part, they were, the Challenger actually was a little more of an expensive line. The idea being that it was going to be the Cadillac of, of that line, you know, and that was going to be a target to this, and right. and, and their base spec tractor was like a, a a mid-range spec on a Massey, you know. So when you go to bid like government jobs and stuff like that, the Massey always always won out because they had a true government spec job, right. government spec tractor, you know. So that was always that was always a, a thing there. And but anymore, I mean, they've kind of done away with with that and and like the melding of you know. Of, of that you know they've they've had 
you're starting to see more challenger dealers carry some Massey lines. Oh, yeah. You know, and those kind of things where there's not necessarily a... Um, not only carrying, but kind of fly that flag a little higher. Yeah. But you also see a lot of those challenger dealers where they're, they're looking at more of uh, on the Lexion side of the combine, right. too. They're using the, the tire, the, the wheels and the tracks on the challenger side. Um, you know, I do remember one time at a concept deal where they had a Massey Ferguson, like, MT-765 that was Massey. Uh, red and silver oh, baby. and it was it was pretty cool and um when i saw that come out because that was really the big differentiator between us and, and our other inline act right. dealers when i saw that come out i was like you know what man i i don't know where this is gonna go so it might be time to <laughs> you go work for a massey dealer you know what i mean right you know i mean go work for a massey dealer or go find something else out and and uh you know i ended up looking for a john deere dealer but um, it, it was just one of those things where I just I was kind of leery about what, what direction they were going to go, especially with the three combines and the the tractor line. So it was it was a good deal. I mean, um, I to this day I am a, I'm a track fan. I, I I see those old those old cat challengers, real cat, you know, with the, the cat. with the cat diesel engines and those kind of like those cats. Those are the ones I. I still have a special place in my heart. Well, and you know that's what that's what the undercarrier was on the world famous By River Combine that yeah. sold last week. Yep, it was a '65 Cat, the same engine too. Yep, Cat engine. It's a '3906. I think that's what that was. I don't remember. I thought it was a '31 or '35 something. I can't remember. I thought it was '3906. I don't remember. But yeah, it was that was far and away. Like I, I still. It was a bulletproof rig. They were, they were, they were, they were a solid, a solid tractor, and and uh, it's, uh, they just could never, just never. They were a little, probably a little early for their time. Yeah. You know, when they came out in '86 or '87 was the first year for those. '86. '86, and, and I think it was introduced in '86, '87 was full production. Yeah. But then again, you got guys, you know, drop it off at the scraper dealer. Yeah. You know, the scraper dealer, the road grader dealer, and be like, here, go sell us the farmers. Yeah. Yeah. And that, there was a... And it wasn't the rosiest of times mm-hmm. to invent a, a very expensive high-end tractor. Yeah. Yeah, at the time, it probably wasn't. But it was also different enough that it, that it drew... Oh, yeah. It drew a big, big, big draw. And I remember they would always... Because it would seem like the cat dealers all were Rome dealers. So you had, you pull the big Rome disc behind it, you know, and, and just go, you know. Go walk the dog. Especially some of those where you had like, a, oh, what they call those? I can't what they call them. A construction disc. Yeah. They're like six foot, seven foot, eight foot wide. With like 48 inch bullets. Yeah, and they, they're made for ripping the ground up and then right. sort of dry out and that kind of stuff. So there there was a thing. There. And, you know, Ernie Hahn and Michael was one of my early 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 mentors and I thought the world of him and he was he would spend a lot of time with me and and he lives he lives in Great Bend so anytime I had a chance to go to Great Bend I was going to go to Great Bend and spend as much time as they would let me spend up there right and he would always uh you know he's the one that taught me how to to do the math to get from uh, on a track machine that there's there's not as much um horsepower loss because you're only running through one set of differentials and not two. Parasitic. Yeah, parasitic. And we were we do all that, and he taught me all that stuff, and he taught me how 
how to go out and actually sell a guy a track machine and talk about berming and all these different things and going over hills and cresting and all that. Right. Yeah, he been he was a guy that lived in the same he lived in Larnard where he grew up at. Born and raised there, lived there forever, and he worked at every dealership that was in Larnard. Gotcha. You know, the international dealer, then the case dealer, then they went out and then he worked for the deer dealer, and then they got bought out by somebody else and they shut down that location. Then he worked for the Agco dealer that was there for a while, and then they whatever, and then they needed a ag salesman for the cat dealership I worked at in, in Great Bend. And so he, he did that. And it was this it was one of those guys where any time I had a chance to listen to his stories, they were awesome. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Because it was like, I remember back in 56 when the tornado came through and, you know, like those kind of stories, you know. Yeah. And then just how much more iron it sold that year because of how many farms it got and, you know, this, that, and the other stuff. And I'm like, you're selling iron in 56? How old are you? <laughs> Would have been like 2005, 2006, 2007, right. 2008, something like that. I was doing the math in my head, like, man, dude, you've been doing this for damn near 50 years, years, you know? And he's like, he finally retired, and and, and the guy was a was just a sweetheart of a man, and he's one of those guys that worked his ass off his whole life and then retired and died six months later. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? So that's why I'm not gonna retire. He was, <laughs> but he didn't really retire. Like he just like freak thing happened. Like he had a one of the custom cutters guys would always be like, you want to go on the run? He'd be like, yeah, I'll go with you. And I'm, but I'm only going to here, you know, and, right. he, and he'd come back, right. you know, and he'd, he was a guy like running the green card or, you know, whatever, you know, and he'd be like, I'll go from here to here, but I'm not going any further, you know, and that was his deal. But he was, I love, Ernie was awesome. But he's one of those guys you look back on in your career that like, man, you taught me a ton. And, yep. I, and I really appreciated that time with him. So it was, I got put in a, in a good spot because that also there, I learned a lot about how I, look at used equipment like my method method methodology how that how that worked you know and and understanding how you know the auction markets have an effect on the retail marketplace whether it's indirectly or directly um you know sooner or later retail prices are going to always correct back down to a certain range within auction value you know and, and, and kind of picking that stuff up and, and understanding how that stuff works together and all these different moving parts of, you know, the, the picture quality to the description to the this to the that, you know. And then when I left there and I came out here and, and, and worked out here, I, I, I started applying that stuff. and, and um, But it was, it was a different game, you know what I mean? Because I remember the first time I started from the volume that I was used to to the volume that I – because I, I got out here in 2009, 2010, something like that which was right in the uptick of the upswing, right? Yeah. And I remember sitting at my desk one day, a bunch of mud deals coming through, and it was like, I had 85 evaluations on my body. I was like, there ain't no way in hell they're going to sell this much stuff. <laughs> this is, I, they're just wasting my time, you know what I mean? And yep. so I'm like, so I finally called up on the store man. I was like, tell your guy he's at, his limit's up, <laughs> right? He's, he's out of credits. <laughs> And, but that was, that, was a, that was a learning curve, you know, when I, right. going from, you know, we might sell five combines in a year, and that was like, yes, yes, to we sold five combines today. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Right. And it was, so that, that swing and that, and that learning curve of, of, of getting your mind wrapped around all those different things that take place, it was, it was a trip, man. And it was, get your mind wrapped around, 50's a good number. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We only got, we're down to 50 combines. It was 
because that was a crazy thing too when I when I took this came out here and worked for the John Deere dealer out here and and worked for the dealer back there at one store they had more inventory used inventory in one store than we had all of the stuff we had right. and it was like and I mean it was talking like getting stuff to turn it was it was a chore you know what I mean and because I was graded on the same way the construction guys are graded right. you know what I mean well, you have, we have 85 bulldozers return 12 times a year. Like, wow, that's awesome. I got five combines. Like, hopefully it'll turn once this year. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And, and I will say a lot of that might have been focused, too. Like, the company focus wasn't right. necessarily there. And, and that you see in some of these other ones and some of these bigger cat challenger dealers that you see out there now that have separated it out and they've got yep. two, don, two, you know, pillars that are one's ag and one's construction. Um, that might not have been been the, the focus that you see there um but it was a it was an eye-opening event to go through here and, and, and see even even on the case side because i'd never really experienced a bunch of case dealerships and when you're working against the number of deals that you have and the number of deals you're working against case on or whatever else that was also like holy shit man we have been in a protective environment for a long time you know so it was it was a it was a cool thing, and you know? I'm glad I had that experience, and oh, yeah. it really shaped what I am today. Yeah, totally shaped it. Some of my cautiousness probably comes from that. I would, I would imagine. That's my back in the depression story. You know. <laughs> right. We'll be sitting around someday. I remember in '15 when our wheels came off, it was just awful. <laughs> yeah, I'd be. Some would have been doing. How long have you been doing it? Fifty years, like 2085. You know. And yeah. Well, you know. It all get better. It happens all the time. <laughs> Back then, we had to drive them. Yeah. Now that I just go out there and control it on a computer from my desk. So yeah, it's a lot of fun. Right on. Couldn't couldn't think of a better place to be than in this industry. So. I agree, hundred percent. It's been good to me. Been good to me. So. Yep. What else, man? Man, that's really it, man. I just uh, appreciate the uh, the uh, friendship that we have here, and and uh, all the times you've been on the Moving Iron podcast, and and the uh, the amount of stuff that I've not edited out of the podcast that I probably should have. Uh, but, but all in all, dude, it's been it's been a lot of fun, and, and and you've made my my podcast pretty successful over the years, so I appreciate that. Oh, I appreciate the comments, and I've appreciated being on, and mm-hmm. looking forward to doing this thing with you, and making it happen, man. Right. So that's going to do it for this episode of Throwback Iron Podcast. I'd like to I'd like to thank my guest, Casey Seymour, for being on the kickoff number one episode. I'm Aaron Fennell. We'll catch you next time.